Hi, I'm Barbara. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to The Young Tongues. This is a podcast all about our marvelous and magnificent tongues. Ooh, did I get you going? Well, we had tongue cancer. Ooh, did I just kill the man? Well, don't worry. This is not what you think. Get ready to hear all the ins and outs of our marvelous tongues. For a long time, we couldn't talk. And we have a lot to say now. Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Young Tongues podcast. My name is Barbara and I'm the founder of the Young Tongues, a peer-to-peer support group for young tongue cancer patients and survivors. And with me in my is my always glamorous co-host, Jamie. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me as always. I look forward to our podcast days. Yes, me too. So... Let's pick up where we left off last time because it was a big events podcast episode. Both of us had a a cliffhanger. Absolutely. So let's start with you first. How's the jaw? Has there been any more developments? You can speak. I can see. I can speak. I can open my mouth. Um, Yeah, it. I did the acupuncture, and I have another session scheduled. So. I just have to uh, wait for that, but I feel like how it was before. So it's kind of one of those, it could happen again, but we don't have any more answers for you. Okay. (laughs) That's, um, I'm sure lots of people listening will go like, yeah, know what that feels like with pretty much every aspect of my life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, you're good for now. All right. Until next time. But um, yeah, so we'll schedule, schedule another session. But the acupuncture, I'm glad they finally like said like hey let's try this because i've been Mm. asking for it and asking for it and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to like how can i get this covered by insurance or how can it like you know the proper channels to go through like a referral to get this and that so it's been like three years and i finally getting it done that's amazing that's amazing so um so how does the acupuncture feel like does it hurt it doesn't hurt i mean I still don't have any feeling on this side. So they were like, maybe it'll start like getting the nerves to wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of relaxing, but because, you know, you're just laying there and I didn't have to worry about anything. <laughs> and you had to worry about like getting someone a snack or something. So I kind of just laying there. And like, I think I was so built up about like, oh my gosh, like, I, like the whole time I they couldn't give me any answers. They're like, here, try this. And it was something I haven't done before. So I'm like, okay. This is new. I'm on the. I'm laying down. I'm here, and I'm just gonna think about like, okay, it's something new. This could be an answer. And three days later, it took a couple of days. Like I started to feel like it was okay. Like oh, it was okay. It was my okay. Like I could open <laughs> open it up with my hands in the morning. But I was so thankful to be able to finally do that because hmm. I've heard other people like hey this really helps me I'm like why can't I get in there so yes I am I'm feeling back to how I felt before that happened and yeah how about you you had you had the big upgrade yes. event <laughs> yeah 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 so um I went in for my scans, I, I think exactly the day after that we recorded. Yeah. So, um, so no, no, everything went really well. <laughs> um, basically, we went in for a 
ultrasound to start off with and then they would make a decision whether to have to biopsy or not um and he looked at it and he was like no it's it's a lymph node we can see exactly what it is nothing to worry about so it's like oh okay cool <laughs> he then started talking about a different thing and going oh if we were worried we would be worried about this and it gave me a bit of a rolling commentary of how he wasn't quite 100 percent happy with it but that it was good enough and i was like oh thank you you could have kept that to yourself <laughs> but they like they like to over explain stuff and you're just like Ah, uh, you know just put another seed in my head but no no it's uh. all good um but one thing that I was really surprised about was I left the the sort of the room the ultrasound room and I went down to my car and I sat in the car and I just had this really big sigh and it was like I just could physically feel like my body relaxing and I hadn't quite grasped how much tension there was in my body that was caused by anxiety about that. Because I guess I'd been trying to keep really cool. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, it's going to be fine. I mean, I have something and it's not good, but it's still fine. Um, mm. But it was just like actually feeling my entire body just letting go and letting go of that tension. I was like, oh, OK, this has been really weighing quite heavily on my mind a lot heavier than what I thought it yeah. was so yeah that was a relief and then a couple of days later I turned 36 and you know what even though we were like I was like oh my god <laughs> panic 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 oh it's fine now <laughs> I'm 36 now it doesn't feel any different <laughs> 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 I, you, never just, you never yeah, looked better. I'm just like, yeah, okay, same as yesterday. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what that was about. But yeah. Oh. So we're at the beginning of April now. Spring has arrived. It's here somewhere. There's actually some sunshine outside here in England for the first time in absolutely forever. Wow. I don't know what the weather like is like in California. Uh, we've had a lot of rain like the most rain we've ever had like ever so it was sunny yesterday and we were like okay back to normal it's kind of like everything's back to normal now for mm. now but we're on spring break so we're gonna hope for some sunshine but who knows absolutely so how how have you been how are you what's what's going on in the world of jamie i've been good ever since i kind of like ever since i did the acupuncture and I was able to like open my mouth and kind of just get back in my routine. Kind of like how you said you got in your car and you like had that sigh of relief. You don't realize how or where you're carrying the tension until you get in and you're like, and you're, you're in the comfort of like your space, your car, no one's in there. And you're just like, like, I get that. I, after I had my session, I sat in my car for a while just to be like, I'm by myself. I'm going to like think about everything that just happened. And I felt yeah, I felt like instantly in a good mood and I had energy because like I felt there was an answer to something like we were trying, we were trying to, to find a solution. I felt like people were finally helping me because mm. that whole time from not being able to open my mouth, I like the, it was like 48 hours of like, I don't know, you look at that. I don't know, you look at it. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, look at this. I'm like, I just need to eat, find what I can do. Like. It's kind of like it was really chaotic and now I can get back to my own chaos that I kind of know what to expect <laughs> with like my day-to-day -day life. 
So I've been okay. I just had my three-year cancer anniversary was on March 23rd. And it just oh like, it, I didn't, I didn't think like, I was like, oh yeah, today I had my surgery. I think my mom texted me and was like three years ago, like, I love you, blah, blah, like emoji, emoji. That's crazy. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And like three years is a big a big deal anytime and yeah, like I want to get to the five years and then I feel like I can do that big you know because on paper our numbers look better and better so mm -hmm. uh, it, I was just okay like I I, I wonder it what it's actually going to feel like getting to five years if there is actually going to be that big relief or if it's just again yeah because I don't know how you felt but when I got told oh you're in remission I was like okay <laughs> Yeah, I did it's just about like yeah. a feeling like where's my energy at like I can have like a great day one day and then three days I'm out when do I get the in the momentum again and, the consistency you know? yeah. yeah I was just yeah I was just I just wonder because I'm hoping to do like a big party and stuff for my five year next year but I do wonder if it's going to feel as momentous or if it's just going to be another one of those dates that pass you and you go okay it's five years yeah. now, but there's still, it still never ends, does it really? It doesn't because you just learn new ways to manage mm. how you are after. Because they did tell me like when I couldn't open my mouth, they're like, hey, it, you know, this is just a side effect that it deteriorates over time. Like those cells are not going to regenerate and get healthier. Like mm. they're damaged and it could get worse over time. I'm like, that's not what I... I thought I, I did all the things and now I can work to getting back to how I was, but it will never be the same. But I want to have like a, I want to have more tools in my mm. toolkit to help me like get the momentum that I can sustain. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, Cause absolutely. I feel like I, I feel like I'm just like on this, you know, uh, what is it called? Like when they measure earthquakes. Yeah, and then I'll be like, uh, the Richter scale. <laughs> the Richter scale. scale. The Richter scale. I should know that. I'm Californian. Um, <laughs> yeah, out of, out of yeah. the two of us, you should most definitely do. Yeah, we just had an earthquake too. So, yeah, I just want to know how can how can I know when it's going to be like a zigzaggy day and when I can like coast? Mm. I just I want to know that predictability. Uh, well, I'm four years out and I'm still figuring that out. So, <laughs> so uh, you just sorry like four years out, mm -hmm. and has this been the first time you felt like a lump or like the butt? Like, did you have any real any other like little things that like kind of worried you with within the first like year or like up or was this the first time after four years that no the it first was really two concerning? the first two years were just really bumpy, okay. um, literally in the sense. Mm. And um, and I think also a lot of it was like scar tissue just underneath my jaw. Um, I had this really, uh, so under my jaw, I had this, it almost felt like a stone inside my face. Um, mm. That was all scar tissue. And they said that at the time, they weren't sure if it ever was going to go away. Um, but then I had, the, I had a really bad infection, <laughs> like really bad um, oh. from from waxing my face basically because I'm a bearded lady so I had to wax and um, basically that got infected which is 
I didn't I didn't realize it was infected because I'd sort of forgotten what my face looked like and it all swell and then I was also traveling at the same time and I was in Switzerland and basically suddenly I realized oh hold on there's something wrong because you could start to see my skin turning yellow from all the oh. infection yeah it oh was my gosh. it was one of the most grossest horrendous things ever um and then I basically rang the hospital and I was gonna travel back the next day anyhow so they said yeah come and see us um but by the time I got on the plane or got off the plane, shall I say. I mean, it was great because I looked so awful. Security just went, ah, uh, you could just come through. <laughs> we'll just get you through. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Um, but yeah, by the time I actually got home, I had um, a fever and yeah, I was quite close to having sepsis. Uh, sepsis so I really, uh, yeah, t t take infections really serious because they, they can go wrong quite quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then I got seen by my plastic surgeon who was... It was really funny though. My plastic surgeon is awesome. She's amazing. She 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 looks beautiful. Like she should be in Grey's Anatomy or something. And she's just fabulous. <laughs> but she's most definitely a surgeon and not a general practitioner. And she was sort of looking at me, and she's like, "Yeah, no, no, that's not. It's nothing, sort of thing." Um, and it was only one of the sort of general ENTs who were like, "Ah, uh, don't quite like the look of her. Can I? Can I just like?" put a camera down her nose just double check she's like yeah yeah that's fine and yeah he was like yeah you're not okay <laughs> love um so I had this really this like everything was infected and it was so bad um the pressure was so bad on my face that they actually uh syringed some of it which again was an experience I never want to do again <laughs> anyone who's queasy or eating their lunch sorry so uh oh. yeah then they sort of like and it, I Did mean, you see everything that came out? Not yes, in multiple <sighs> stages. So not okay, yes. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna do a quick warning. If you don't like this type of stuff, fast forward by thirty seconds. So um yeah. So they first they like put a syringe in and then suck it out, and it was uh -huh. a big motherfucking syringe. <laughs> And it, and it was like this yellow horrible and I was just and it was it was hilarious because my plastic surgeon came into the door and was like oh what's she still doing here and the ENT literally all he did was like pull up the syringe and just sort of give her a look and she went oh an infection then <laughs> and he, he was like giving her the biggest Beyonce vibes of going yes babe yeah. <laughs> it is you um, said she looked fine. Yeah, but then it occurred to me that, bless her, she'd never really seen my face when it's not massive. So <laughs> I thought, well, we'll let, we'll let her off. Also, she's a surgeon, not a general she's practitioner. She's fine. You look she's fine. She's all right. She's fine. fine. Um, so they did that to relieve the pressure. I sent me home with penicillin and, and a whole bag of drugs. And then um, I w went to bed um, and basically my scar... It, it, like there was so much pressure on it it reopened yeah <laughs> which Whoa. is pretty pretty like after this is nine months after surgery so for a scar to reopen there was a lot wow, of pressure a lot yeah, of pressure. yeah. Oh my a lot of pressure gosh. and I woke I remember waking up and I was like Nick I'm wet why am I wet and then going oh my god <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and basically, my neck had reopened, and all the gunk had come down over the front. It was, <laughs> that's the most. 
gruesome thing and I'm squeezy I'm really squeamish I'm like oh my god and Nick was like trying not to gag and go like it's okay Barbara it's okay and I'm like oh my god the stuff's coming out of my neck and then every time I moved he was like don't move because it was coming out in more waves <laughs> so <clears throat> so for anyone who finished their breakfast or lunch by now <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, basically, it was just really, really gross. But silver lining, um, even though it really messed up with my recovery and fatigue and all of that, the silver lining was is that that, that stone of scar tissue got completely destroyed by the infection. So I do not... That's completely gone. Oh, so that that was amazing. So I don't know if the, those huh. that type of scar tissue usually goes anyhow because I know some of our peers have had it, but they yeah I don't think so. It stays. No, it stays. Whereas yeah, I had this horrendous horrendous infection and it sort of just wow. I don't know what I don't know what else it destroyed. Let's be honest. Caveat here: it's not worth getting an infection for. But oh my hey, God. I you were literally like bursting at the seams i can't imagine waking <laughs> up and you're like yes oh god i cannot yeah. believe i i don't i yeah it, it was it felt like a horror movie and i am not a horror girl and it was just it like it sounds like a horror movie <laughs> nine months later and your scar i can't imagine like i'm trying to think how my scar looked nine months it looked pretty good at nine months i can't imagine it like being like that's well, a lot of pressure it, yeah, so it wasn't the entire scar. It was like about one and a half centimeters, the one right in the middle, like right that bit. Because now my neck scar, so from under my ear to about halfway, it's really nice and silver. But where it reopened, it's a lot thicker and uh, quite okay. a bit red. So, um, and that's now another Whoa. two and a half, three years ago. So that, I think that bit of the scar is just never going to look as tidy as what it did before which which makes sense if if, if it's well, like forcefully reopened yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's different wow. to a cut and then you were on a bunch of antibiotics and then it, you recovered and it was yeah yeah was gone with that and eventually i did have to keep going back because <laughs> uh, warning again for anyone eating their breakfast uh so my scar didn't like close it sort of had bits of my neck hanging out <laughs> so they so she had to sort of like put it back in and and tidy it <laughs> yes whoa yeah I, but she didn't restitch it it sort of naturally closed which was amazing but yeah there was like there was like gross stuff that sort of just needed that's crazy yeah 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 that was but pretty yeah, mad yeah the infections can happen for sure like yeah have to be really going on like the healing process you know the next scar and the arm or your leg the graft there's so many it's it's hard massively important and i my theory is about the infection because they couldn't really make sense like where does it come from that far after surgery um i think it's really important to remember is that we are missing a heck of a load of lymph nodes and lymph nodes prevent infections from happening and because yeah. i've been having to wax and i you know pre-cancer wax really regularly i've now had to basically change that so i can't 
I can't wax as often as I would like to, which means there always comes a point like four to six weeks in where I'm just really hairy and I just have to it's 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 awful because I do public speaking and I go out networking and and stuff and yeah. I feel really self-conscious because it's it's right on the knee and it's even though I'm blonde that bit is quite dark um and I do you know I do see people's eyes sort of flickering towards the bottom Aww. part of my page face and yeah, it's just like something I can't help, and and it does definitely affect my um, my confidence on those days. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but but that's basically I still do wax, but really carefully and not as often in order to make sure I don't get another infection. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, something like that would leave you with like I'm just gonna shave every day. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. That all gets infections. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> Waxing. Don't shave, don't shave. Um, but yeah, no, I guess a lot of blokes will have that as well. So hopefully we'll get one of our lovely men on this podcast once to talk yeah. about the practicalities of like shaving when you're going for treatment and Oh my gosh. What was yes. you know, imagine imagine. I mean, I didn't wax for a really long time because it was so sensitive. Um you yeah. know. But then also not sensitive because I cannot, cannot I can also not feel half of my face. <laughs> so it's like, but, but that's the thing. Like we can't, I can't feel. I always try to explain this to my husband. I'm like, mm. I can't feel like this side of my face, but I can like it hurts. Like so, like there, it, there's pain. Like I guess when your leg falls asleep and you try to like get it going. Yes, like, exactly it's that. Like that weird like I can't feel it, but. It is painful if yeah. you try, like, moving. It's bizarre because I have described it before as well. It's like, it's almost like a hypersensitivity without being able to feel it, but you can feel yeah. it, but you also can't. <laughs> it's just really yeah, bizarre. Yeah, I was like, I cannot describe this properly because no. it, I, yeah. I've so, got the same on my hand, by the way, the thumb. Oh, that you're yeah. just a thumb, the rest are okay? The thumb and then, well, it does go up all the arm, but it's, weird like if I poke like halfway down my forearm it feels like someone's poking my thumb oh weird yeah so it's like all the nerves are just jumbled they're just like yeah they're yeah like, mm, we're fine we're off but not where we should yeah anyhow we should use this as a segue to come to yes. our theme for today uh which was all about the time between diagnosis and surgery so not surgery itself we're just like the time leading up yeah, um, there's a lot of lot of things you have to do before that a lot of stuff that happens now I'm conscious that we both had a really different experience because I was pre-covid and you were during covid mm -hmm. so your time between diagnosis and surgery was remarkably shorter I assume yeah yeah so it all happened within week like three weeks wow so take it from here, Jamie. What what happened after you received your diagnosis over the phone? <laughs> it was just yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was a beautiful sunny afternoon. And, you know, you just get a call and be like, hello, you have cancer. And now you have to do this, 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 and this. And it's also, uh, we don't know about this, pan like, COVID. What were they calling it? Were they even calling it COVID? Corona. No, they were. it was just Corona that, like... And there's this coronavirus, and um, we don't know when you'll be able to be seen, but you're dying, so blah, 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 blah. Um, I got called on March 2nd, and then they said I have to go get, um, or no, I had another call with my cancer team. Like, I already had a team, 
and I never met anyone. So then I had like this call. It wasn't even a Zoom. It was like everybody was on like a conference call. And so I couldn't put like, I'd never seen that. This was before I even saw my surgeon. So I think there was like 11 doctors that were on that call. So I didn't know who was speaking. I didn't, and at this point, they didn't know if I was doing chemo and radiation, but they were there just to, you know, this is the what ifs and this is what's going to happen next. But I did have a lovely cancer care coordinator, Diane, and I had her number. I could always get a hold of her and she would get a hold of everybody else with any of my questions. So then after I had that conversation, I went in to meet with the doctor who was going to do the tongue and then the doctor who was going to do the neck. So they like, I don't know, tag team, like high five, well, got in there after they were done with the tongue. Um, so I met them and that was like, I think three days after I did that call. So it was very quick and they explained and John was able to be in the room with me to meet both of them and explain like how the surgery was going to go. Uh, and then it's funny because I have a uh, family member who is high up in the fire department in San Diego. And he called me. He's like, hey, I know you're going through all this stuff, but there's going to be there's rumor that everything's going to shut down. I don't know how that's going to affect your surgery, because at this point I didn't have a this was like a couple days after I um, maybe like a week after, cause I haven't really told anybody yet except for like family. And, uh, I was like, Oh, that's really a thing. Like I, there was no way we were, could ever imagine that COVID was going to cause like everything to shut down. I'm like, what? No way. Like it, I, they have to do this. Like if they don't do this, they don't operate. Like it's bad news. Um, so then I don't know. Let's see. So between March 2nd and March 23rd, I went in and I got a MRI. And that was the first time I've ever had an MRI that I could remember. And um, I, I remember being really silly in there, like, because I was super uncomfortable and just joking around. And they were like, okay, you're going to feel like you're peeing, but you're not really peeing. Like when they, you know, inject the, or the contrast. The, ink, the contrast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was. It's so like, okay. And I was like, I'm peeing. I'm peeing. I'm like, no, I'm really peeing. I remember I was just like having the best time getting the MRI. And then I was done. And then after the MRI, um, then it was more like, hey, then that's when I got the lymph node, the news that like, yeah, we we're going to have to do that. So it's like at the time when I met with the two doctors about the neck and the tongue, they didn't even know if there was any that were in here that were cancerous they were like no matter anytime we do the surgery we we do both no matter what so I was like okay I wasn't even listening at that appointment Jonathan later on was like well yeah they're both gonna work on you I'm like okay I remember at that appointment when I finally met my surgeons I didn't focus on much after he said like you're not gonna be able to talk or you might sound different or you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be different I was like do what you need to do, but what do you mean I can't talk? So I really didn't listen to all the information. So the shutdown happened in America, like the 16th or something, March 16th. And so 
they made me go to the emergency room a week. My surgery was scheduled for March 23rd, and they made me go to the emergency room to get a COVID test on, I think, the 16th. And it was like apocalyptic because it was all like the inflatable tents and everything was outside and people were coming like it was weird. I felt weird being there and I had the mask on. It was the first time I like wore a mask too and they wheeled out this little tripod with an iPad on it outside to me and put it in front of me and a doctor was on the iPad. So it was like, like I'm always a Netflix like show that I'm on like he was like hi uh, and everybody's in the tent around you waiting to get tested and they're doing like the spit test and they're doing like it was wild and he was like hey what brings you in I'm like oh I feel fine I don't have any symptoms but I want to get this test before surgery so I'm able to do the surgery and they're like uh we're probably not going to do the surgery what do you have and I was like um I have and I was looking around because everybody could hear and I was like I have I have tongue cancer and I have surgery because like it, I guess it's they got to get it out and I didn't know what to say and then he's like okay well we'll do the test but you're probably not gonna be able to have surgery oh, um, on your Christ. date and I was like okay because uh, at this point this was they didn't do the fast turnaround of the test it took like a whole week so they say and so then the little doctor on the iPad gets wheeled away. And then the people sitting next to me, like one woman, like leans over. She's like, I'm so sorry. I heard. I'm like, oh, yeah. Sorry. And I was like, going to ask her, like, why are you here? But I know why she. <laughs> it was just a weird thing. And I felt really. That's when I was like really, really scared. Because I thought I was like, this is it. What if I have to wait? And. So I did the COVID test and I left there and then three days later, they said that they had my test results back and they were negative. But like that, that three days I was going for a walk and I kept checking my phone to see if my results were in. Cause after I did the test and they told me that I probably wasn't going to have surgery, I called my, called Diane, my cancer care person. And I was like, is this true? Because they told me this and no one knew anything because it was like, we don't know if we're going to shut down. We don't know if we're going to do this. So then um, the test comes back negative and they're like, no, we're, you, we have to do the surgery. Um, so we've stopped all non-emergency surgery. So like knee replacement, like I get, that's how they described it to me. I'm like, okay, I, I have, this is like threatening my life. So we will go on with your surgery um, and you're scheduled for this day. And they said that, you know, um, with COVID, no one could be in the room with you. I had to fill out all the paperwork via, like right when I got there and turn in stuff, I couldn't have my phone. So the day of, they said, when you come in, we're not going to be responsible for any of your stuff because no one could be there with me. So they give you the plastic bag to put your clothes in as you change into your, um, into the gown, I guess. But like, I remember them telling me like, you can't bring your phone or any valuables because we don't know if you're gonna be with us for after surgery. Like basically, you know, they're going like, I can't imagine what they were being told and what they're telling their patients, but it was like, prepare to go in there with nothing. And we don't know what's gonna happen after that. But the time like the shutdown happened, I was a go for surgery and I just was like, okay, we're going to get this done. And that's when we were all locked down. We were staying at home. And uh, 
I did all the stuff like, you know, you couldn't eat the night before and I got everything. I recorded videos for my kids of how I sounded. I spoke to my a radiologist. I don't know if it's, yeah, it was the one that I was going to have. And she said, you may or may not have to do this, but I'm going to talk about it this again. And then I'm going to talk to you again after you're done with surgery. So that was, everything was done. I went in just the MRI, the COVID test, and to meet two surgeons out of my 11. That's mad. <clears throat> that is so different to my experience. Yeah, and this was from March 2nd to March 23rd. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. I'm just I'm thankful that they were, like, able to get the mm. surgery done because in that emergency room with a doctor on an iPad, that's when reality was, like, I can't even see a real person. I'm seeing him on an iPad from inside this building. I'm out in, like, a bounce house getting a COVID test. And, and the whole the whole thing of being diagnosed with cancer at our age with a cancer that is rare for people in our age is already surreal. Yeah. So you you pack that extra layer of global pandemic, nobody really... And, and this is the main thing, is, like, nobody knew what we were dealing with. We're not saying it was anyone's fault or you had a bad experience. But I think, actually, all things considering, you actually probably had a fairly good experience um, with all the madness going on um, because there are plenty of people in our our peers, in our group, that either didn't get the diagnosis because of COVID until way late or, in some cases, too late, or yeah. didn't get the the surgery in time, and and I have to admit, I I look back now and I was so naive, so mm-hmm. naive. I had no idea how urgent it is. It's only now that we've got the young tongues in the group, and now that I, you know, got to know the stories of hundreds of people because I I write I basically put the content together for our group which includes sharing stories and speaks to many to many, so many people I just realized Christ the 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 type of cancer or type of tumors that we have they are so bloody aggressive and it's so important to act fast and be decisive um yeah so mine was a bit different because so mine was 2019 pre-pandemic but it was winter and <clears throat> living in the UK, we've got the National Health Service. So that comes with a benefit, which mm. means uh, <laughs> didn't have to worry about insurance or payment. And we'll talk about that whole thing. I think we have to do a US specific episode about yeah. paying for healthcare. But obviously, I'm I'm deeply grateful and incredibly humbled by the fact that my illness didn't bankrupt me. At least not in that way. And, um, not that it was financially easy, but again, that's another episode. <clears throat> but um, so I was diagnosed New Year's Eve, so winter. And one of the things that I've, we've all come to learn here in England for the, for years now is that winter is a really bad time to get ill because it's the time where the NHS gets overwhelmed. Um, it's been chronic on the funding of our national health service and i'm not going to get political here even though i would really like to um but um the underfunding has had uh, a huge impact on the quality of care that they are able to provide and actually it is incredible that they are still able to provide any type of care um especially at the moment 
with just chronic underfunding and especially since covid things have gotten worse um but we're going back to pre-covid times and um so when i got diagnosed new year's eve i very much was like oh no this is like the worst time because january february flu season Mm -hmm. it's like the time of year where you don't it's like don't go and visit anyone in hospital there's viruses bacteria like just don't um, it's also time of year where surgeries can get cancelled and things just take a bit longer. If you can hear something barking in the background, that is my little dog. I'm ever so sorry. Oh. We're just going to have to ignore her. <laughs> um, yeah, so <clears throat> so my surgery date was the 7th of February. So it's over a month since diagnosis. And it was strange. So on the day of diagnosis, I felt, I felt like I was wheeled like onto a... Like, a system straight away because the same day I met my Macmillan cancer nurse I had an x-ray and had blood tests um, and then within a couple of weeks I also had MRI I had a CT and again I think I was really really lucky with all of those appointments that um, I had some people look out for me to make sure that I got in on time Um, because again the surgery date was very much reliant on me getting all these tests and the results back Mm. in time um yeah so I I shall not say any more about that but I I I know for a fact that um like my MRI and CT both were cancelled at one point and then suddenly reappeared so obviously something was looking out for me um yeah um I also had so what you you talked about Diane um I had a a Macmillan nurse Macmillan being a charity here in the UK um who provides specialist cancer nurses to different departments um and she was I had two actually because they sort of were both both part-time and they were incredible um I think for me, that's when I realised that I had cancer when I saw my Macmillan nurse because she put, you know, she put her hand on me and I was like, oh, God, this is real. Oh. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to think what happened straight after. Uh, for me, it was breaking the news was a big thing to people. Um, the first person who actually found out was my client because I was meant to go to Germany and was nudged not to go to Germany (laughs) probably more important to stay in the country um but my 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 client was lovely and totally understanding of course um and then we told Nick's parents and then eventually had to tell my parents via um FaceTime because they live in a different country to me so um which I guess you would have you can relate to because I guess you weren't able to see any of your family because of Covid or no I just uh I was able to tell my parents and I told everybody else. My parents were here because they came down to help take care of my kids. Mm. Um, But yeah, everything was done over the phone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I told my parents on FaceTime, which definitely was problematic because I think my mum went into in denial stage. Yeah. and she said a lot of, bless her. I know she meant really well, but she said so much bullshit. <laughs> like, think positive. Oh, it's not so bad. Da, 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 all of that. And I was just uh, like, ah, mom, I don't think you understand how serious this is. And 
I looked at my dad and he just like broke and I yeah that was really difficult because I could see him was just like that's his little baby girl and there was nothing they could do because they were a country away oh Uh, my god yeah and then I start ringing uh, my close friends and I did that via phone actually um because I found it too hard to look at people like over the phone at least I could be in control of the conversation yeah and having to do that multiple times like if you were you know I remember I'd have to go into the room and be like who do I have to call next it was kind of like I'm this running list and Mm. every time you're reliving like and you felt bad I felt I felt bad like having it like I hate giving bad I felt bad that they were gonna have a bad like feel bad (laughs) but yeah bad news yeah I mean the the good well one good thing is that my close mates have got this group of lads who are really really important mates I call them the boys they're not just lads they've now got girlfriends and wives and stuff as well but they're um, the boys they're the boys they're still the boys and most of them I was able to tell on New Year's Eve when we went to the party that we talked about happy new year I have cancer um but yeah but the other thing I had in my armor was that the fact that it got caught really early was really good news and it was not just treatable but curable which is not something we can take for granted with any type of cancer so when you are told you know it's curable you that's incredible so I was sort of sharing it that way um being very positive in my language whilst also not sort of downplaying what was about to happen yeah um and yeah, and I think what was also hard for me was calling my, like my childhood friends in Switzerland, because again, I don't live there. And mm-hmm. and I must admit, I didn't actually call that many. Um, it's weird. It's like when you have to, when you look at the list of people you know in your life and you suddenly have to think about who are the ones that show up and who yeah. are the ones who don't and who are the ones that you really need to tell. Um, weirdly enough, I had um, some people I couldn't tell, like uh, like I felt unable to call them, like too emotional, too upset about it. Um, and I had to ask other people to tell them just because I was like, I, I can't have this conversation with this person. You know, if they had, especially if they had an experience of cancer in their family, I just, Same. yeah, yeah, it was really difficult. And I have to admit, I did take, I did take the easy way out and just palmed it off to someone else. But then I, um, I sent a text because I was like, I, I can't tell, like I couldn't tell this person. So I just sent a text being like, eh, maybe they'll read it later. And I fired off that text. And then they call right away. You sent that in a text, and I'm like, <laughs> but like they don't understand that like I've been calling and I we this is encompassing my life now. Like yeah. I've been talking about it all the time. Like I it, I think I was like pushing this person down the line to until I told them like I was waiting to tell them and a texting fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. And then I I had actually decided that I wanted to keep it 
fairly private for a little while because mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out how I felt about it. But that didn't work out because when I went, so I was wearing, um, I was working in like a shared office. I had my own business, just a one woman business. And um, basically, you know, I told people in the office and then other people told other people. Um, And what really shocked me was the reactions I got from people who didn't know me very well. Mm. Um, And it was like one woman basically came up to me and said, oh, I'm so sorry about this. Must be the end of your business. That's the end. Da, 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 da. And I was like, hell no. Wait a minute. (laughs) I am not, you know, I'm not giving up on life. (laughs) So, um, or then I had... um, I had another one which was weird, and and actually, I I we within my like youth, not youth, but young people's cancer support group, we give them a name. We call them cancer tourists, mm. and basically, there was like this subsection of people who I don't, I, I'm not afraid, I'm not even Facebook friends with, right? I don't, I don't know them. They're not in my life, life, but mm-hmm. they sort of know me, and I think it's always been a case that you know. Like, I sort of know of them, but I don't even know their name if you push me to it. But they came up to me and they were like, oh, I'll come and help you bake, bake to your cake. Oh, I can come do your shopping. What do you need? And I was just like, whoa, I don't, I don't know you. Uh, step wow. away. Um, and, I, and like, at first I thought, oh, that's really nice. But it was only then later on I realised that they were sort of then putting stuff on their Facebook saying, oh, I've got this friend, she's got tongue cancer, it's awful, poor me. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. Nah, <laughs> don't need you. Oh, um, gosh, that's so strange that some like people do that. Yeah, it's really strange behaviour. And it's like, it yeah, yeah, no, no. And then I have the I had also had the absolute opposite where people who I really liked to get on with, not like ma- not massively close friends, but like people that I thought would continue to be in my life just vanished. Totally vanished. You say the word cancer, they run a mile. And oh. I have to admit, I mean, at first I was a bit put out, but the more I thought about it, it's just that, I had to accept that there's certain people that just it's not for them and that's okay and every person has to do what's right for them um and and I didn't need them I have plenty of people that have my back and were there so Mm. that was that so anyhow it was the it was actually the comment of the lady about the business that I went like right I'm gonna have to go public with this fairly quickly Mm -hmm. um so I'll put it out uh, about a week later on on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all of that um just to I, I, I think I put it up as a new year's resolution I was like really new year's resolution kick kicks cancer uh, kick cancer's ass um and actually I'm really glad I did that because the amount of love and support that came my way nothing had nothing could have prepared me for it it was so incredibly beautiful and I had no idea like how liked I was as a person and how many people actually do give a shit and I was like this is yeah this is really really lovely and also what I really liked there weren't many or I at least I can't remember any pity comments any like oh you poor poor you I'm so sorry no I had loads of like Barbara, you're a rock star. You're stronger than anyone I know. 
you're going to kick that, you're going to be fine, you're going to go and do it. And it was like a proper like cheerleading rally cry and, and yeah. that's exactly what I needed. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's, the, like for me it was the breaking the news was the big thing. Um, it, I also had to go and see various surgeons and the team, as you mentioned. So, so just for anyone listening, that's called the multidisciplinary team. Mm-hmm. And there, that is that can be anything between five and fifteen to twenty odd people, and basically, it's standard practice that they meet in a multidisciplinary meeting and discuss your case, yes. not not like a not in general terms, but to you specific as an individual, taking into account any health history, your age, your sex, your everything. Um, and come up with a plan that is specific to you um, as a ways of finding best practice across all the different disciplines of people who eventually will be working with you to get through this. Um, And I I will never forget my my meeting with with that lovely plastic surgeon we talked about earlier. Uh, So we were talking about the the arm and, and the, the forearm flap and having part of the tongue removed. And I think she realized that I was really not clear on how a bigger procedure this was going to be um, and the impact and the the side effects of it and she sort of went like look I just feel like I need to tell you this because it sounds like nobody else has but you do realize that you could lose your speech and that was the same as for you that was like oh shit this is this is really bad because i i'm a talker i i used to sing i talk way too much i've i don't meet many people that talk more than me (laughs) and i was just like how this is such an essential part of me how is that good and i was that i was terrified of not being able to speak yeah it's all you it's like that's all I focused on. Mm. I was like, "What am I?" Yeah, like you, I didn't realize like how uh, complicated and how uh, this is going to be a very hard surgery and the healing process. I didn't realize. Like I thought, like, don't you just give me like, you know, you just go in there and cut it out and that's it. I. It wasn't until I googled because. That's what we do. And then I was realized like, oh my God, this is really a major surgery. And um... the way she, um, she explained it to me was basically, she said like the tongue is just like a really big muscle. Yeah. And they have no idea when they're cutting into this muscle what is going to happen. So she said, you know, you can take, for some people, you can take a tiny little piece of tongue and it sort of lames half of it. Or with other people, they can take a massive chunk and it's absolutely fine. She just sort of said there's just no way of knowing because there's no way, there's no imaging on tongues. There's, and everybody's yeah. tongue is so unique. It's like a fingerprint almost. Like yeah. everything's in a different place. So I was like, oh. And actually at that point, it was the first time I felt like, okay, this is like a really old school surgery. <sighs> And really, this is the best you could do. (laughs) 
and sadly at the moment that's still a yes and and you know again we'll we'll talk about research yeah. and, and other innovations and stuff in future podcasts but yeah I was a bit like wow this is actually quite draconian like just taking a piece of your tongue and then replacing it with a piece of another part of your body and go well mm. here we go let's hope for the best yeah, like patching up a tire all good yep Maybe you can speak, maybe you can't, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. And the same yeah. goes with the swallowing. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but food has always featured very heavily in my life. I'm, I love food. and uh, Yes. It, I, yeah. <laughs> I know for I you food. it's still hard, yeah. Yeah, it's hard, but... I remember, I remember not even thinking about that, though. Like, I was just really focused on, like, what do you mean I'm not going to be able to talk? Hmm. Well, now, my my Macmillan nurse said, because I asked about, oh, should I be eating, like, differently or stuff? And she's like, no, go and eat everything you want. Again, this is a pre-COVID thing. Because mm-hmm. I could. Because she was like, go out, drink, eat feast because you don't know if you might be able to do that again and I I must admit in at that time even though eating hurt because the ulcer was still there Mm -hmm. I was sort of thinking everything I ate was like this might be my last meal and that's Yeah. yeah and actually the night before surgery so I was meant to go in the night before and stay overnight um, but fa- yeah, yeah, it's sort of standard. But thankfully, they didn't have enough beds. And I live relatively close to the hospital. So I sort of said, do you, well, in, do you mind if I just come in like really early in the morning? And they're like, yeah, no, that would be fine. So um, because there was time, I was able to go and have one meal out. Uh, oh, like we went nice. for pizza or something like that. And then like do my, you know, 12 hours of non-eating. Um and then arrive early that morning to get changed and everything. But I think let's let's talk about like arriving at hospital for the day of the surgery for the next episode because there's yeah. that's <laughs> I mean that's a weird experience. Um, yeah. But one before yeah. we go, one thing I do want to ask. Um, I I'm obviously really organised. We've established that a few times by now. <laughs> So in the lead up to the surgery, um, and I, I think we've talked about this previously, I organised everything to the very last thing. So I had like my bags packed, then I had extra clothes like laid out on the guest bed with little post-it notes of if I need this and if I need that and if I'm asking for that. So Nick could just easily grab stuff. And I I obviously did all the admin, the life admin and handing over and writing goodbye letters and all of that um what 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 did you have time to deal with um i i wasn't i never thought about like what am i gonna do like i never thought about not being here as like you know you wrote letters like goodbye letters i just did a bunch of videos for my kids so like my husband would have something for them to play if i was going to be in the hospital for a long time that's what i was like oh here and i made a bunch of these and i made videos with my kids um hearing them talk to me and we sang like some songs that we like so i made like a bunch of videos 
And then it wasn't until I got to the hospital that morning when they were like, oh, you have your paperwork in case, uh, like, who do I contact in case something like you don't make it like what's the it was like I don't know what it's called but I didn't mm. realize that until that morning I was like huh like I was the opposite of you mm. I was like oh I know nothing I, I what do you mean you better get me back home after this is done I've dealt with all this bullshit I'm coming home <laughs> so mm. that's all I did I just made a bunch of videos of the kids and maybe that was the distraction I needed I I think I only thought that way because I had those meet, pre-meetings, pre-surgery meetings, and there was one, uh, can't remember, they did all sorts of things, like take my weight and blood. To, oh, they took so much blood. Like every time I went into this yeah. hospital, I was like, how much more blood do you need? Yeah, um, what the heck? Like how, <laughs> like how many more times do you want to stab me? Um, yeah, that was awful. One of them was basically going through the paperwork line by line. And yeah, did not I, do that. Oh, it, it's hilarious because they take go, they go through you. This could happen, and that could happen, and that could happen, and it just gets like progressively worse. And the yeah. last line is literally death. <laughs> you might die. And I was like, why didn't you lead with this? Because then all the rest would sort of not be <laughs> start with that. <laughs> start with that. Um, and you would basically just have to sign your life away of basically saying, yeah, if something happens, something happens. Yeah, so it be. I and I, I'd never, no, I'd never had a surgery before in my life, so I didn't know, you know, would have a, an allergic reaction, whatever. Um, so it was all these things. Um, but I was actually overall really relaxed. So I know it sounds like I was like really anxious, but I didn't really have anxiety. I was just really matter of fact of going, I've got my to-do list, I need to do X, Y, and Z, I need to take care of this. I also went to the... Um, Buddhist center I'm not Buddhist or anything but they do great meditation classes there <laughs> so I went to the Buddhist center awesome. every day yeah and just like did meditation for the first time which then also really helped me later on in in um in so well after surgery um but yeah I don't know on one hand I was really happy that I had that extra time because I think if I would have been rushed I would have been more anxious I felt like I needed that time to get my head around it but at the same time now knowing I'm like oh god you know I'm so lucky yeah. it didn't spread or it only spread as little as it did yeah that's it's a you know now that we're reading about it now we know it's mm -hmm. very aggressive but I don't remember I, I remember being told that but there were so many other things going on I don't ever remember mm -hmm. being like Oh my God, like it's going to go to somewhere else. Like I never thought it would go like spread. Mm. But well, I didn't know it was aggressive until after they took it out and they looked at the pathology. That's when they went, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I guess like, you know, we'll talk about after, but like, you know, they go, they tell you like what happened, like pathology report app, you know, they, you don't know until like they test or whatever they do mm. after and be like, okay. Ooh, that was a doozy like <laughs> I I didn't even like think like it could spread anywhere that it had spread like going yeah. in oh yeah you do a pet scan before too I did that yeah that so, that was really fast pet scans are easy you just wheel in two seconds and you're out again the MRI yeah. machine that's a different kettle of fish yeah. but yeah <laughs> as we discussed exactly. last time <laughs> so like MRI pet scan the labs all the meetings that I, I'm assuming would have taken longer because I would have go in face to face. I only mm. had 
that one appointment with them and then the rest was all on phone and then the heightened of the pandemic it probably did work in my favor to get it done so quickly like yeah the pandemic like that was the only thing because it was still new yeah but, yeah, I think yeah. I had at least three, maybe even four meetings. And also my, mine took long because I used to go in prepared with a list of questions. That's and so I could see, though. yeah, I could see my surgeon sort of like smiling and go, OK, hit me with your questions. And like, um, uh, yeah, now looking back, I feel so, so, so sorry for them because they must answer the same questions every single time. Um so uh, yeah, I hope that as the young tongues, we can compile like a, a like a a guide at some point that sort of helps people with those sort of basic questions, but also like helps put together a list of questions to ask because again, everything is like unique and uh, and down to your personal circumstances. Right. Yeah, just looking at time, I think we should quickly like. Um, just make a little bit of extra time but we just want to make a little bit of extra time for our weekly question which I actually have one prepared this week oh okay yeah um and it it came to mind uh, as we're on this subject but when in life has cancer made an appearance in your life outside of your cancer experience and I'll give you an example whilst you have a think about it okay so in this time between diagnosis and surgery, I decided to go to the cinema. And by myself, I was like, I'm not working. I might as well go to the cinema. And went for a matinee. And I went to watch um, A Star is Born. Not realising how fucking sad that movie is. But there you go. <laughs> but um, anyhow, I was like, oh, you know, Lady Gaga's in it. She's singing. It must be great. It's a musical. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, never mind (laughs) no spoilers here um I was sitting in the cinema and the adverts came up and I was all relaxed and all chilled and then Macmillan Cancer Nurses had an advert it was a fundraising advert but it was like this young person gets cancer and then there's these like images of like it's her wedding day and the glasses smash because now she's not getting married because she's got fucking cancer and I was just I was sitting there going like are you shitting me I've come here to relax to take my mind of cancer and you are thrusting it in my face how dare you I was incensed I was so angry <laughs> I wrote a complaint and said there should be areas that are off limit and also there's a difference between seeing a fundraising advert for cancer on tv because you can walk out the room you can escape it but in cinema dolby surround in your face i was like ah, ah i am not a, i am not okay with this <laughs> i i started bawling my eyes out before the film even started i was just like give me oh. a break that was a rough afternoon for you then Oh, especially well, and then the film started off so lovely and then oh I know. my god <laughs> I know I know and then, oh man and to have it start with that before that was a rough afternoon that was a rough afternoon <laughs> yes oh well gosh okay so the question was like anytime like after I was diagnosed or before whenever I guess like where you go like oh seriously like 
you know, when yeah. stuff happens. And it's just, God, now I have to think about, um, say the question one more time so I can get it in here. So a moment in time when cancer sort of got thrust upon you in everyday life, but not part of your cancer experience. You know, when you when you just want to have a day off and you just want to relax and then it bloody rears its head again and you're like, really? It's off. God, I feel like it's always something with, like, speech. Like, um, man, I can't think. That's funny, though, like, it's never um, with your story. Yeah, it's always like, really? This is popping up now? Or anytime, I actually get triggered thinking about cancer anytime someone, um, I say something and they go, wait, can you say it again? What'd you say? And if they ask me twice, that's where I'm like. Fuck off! That's, I was like, I'm sorry, I have a speech impediment because I had cancer and I almost died. I get triggered like that. Mm. So, <laughs> I think that anytime someone's a, like, I just think of cancer anytime someone can't understand me. Like when they ask, like, what? Say it one more time. What are you saying? Oh, God. But you I don't <laughs> understand why people can't understand you. Are they just not listening? Is that what it is? I'm trying to think of like, I'm doing, every time like I'm talking mm. and when I'm trying to get like, do research of when I get the most what did you say like I can't hear you or can you say it one more time I feel like it's during like after the three o'clock hour that's maybe when I'm starting to like sundown with my mm. speech and I'm getting like you know I sound like maybe I've had like three drinks too many which... that's happened to me as well before yeah. no yeah, someone and, someone yeah someone I mean, thought this... that you were yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this is early on, so when everything was still quite swollen. And actually, I was a bit like, oh, don't be a dick. Look at my face. I've got a swollen face. Why do you think... this? I don't look like this. It's sort of quite obvious. But yeah, yeah. someone thought I was... I was like, made a joke about how pissed I am. I was like, uh, I'm sober. I just sound like this. I'm like, this is just how I sound. Like, yeah. This is just... Yeah. So any, I get... Um, yeah. I think that... I. I'll think of something probably when we're done here, and I'll be like, "Wait, wait, I just love it." Oh, yeah, sorry, I, I put know. you on the spot there. I'll, I'll, next time, I'll no, give you a heads that up. Was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, "Well, I was like, wait, I have," because I I was thinking about another question, and then I was like, "Well, wait a minute, did we even discuss what we're?" I was like, "Wait, we didn't do talk about our question beforehand," but I like this, so now <laughs> I I'm gonna be ready for the spontaneity of it. Yes. Well, on that note. Jamie, it's been so lovely, lovely to see you again. And we'll catch up in a couple of weeks. Yes, I love our little meetings. And I hope everybody's enjoying the podcast. And if you have any um, ideas or questions you want us to talk about, contact us, Instagram, email, show notes. We're here for you. Yeah, please please get in touch. And also, thank you so much for all the lovely feedback we've already received. Um, We're here for you guys. It's the only reason we're here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram under at YoungTongsGlobal. Or email us at YoungTongs at Outlook.com. See you next time. Bye.